How are you now? This is Shane O'Keefe with Scoreline Extra, the podcast that is condensing some of the interviews that we've conducted on our weekend sports show here at KCLR. Scoreline, it's called, if you needed to guess. It's at 2 to 6 live every Saturday and Sunday. So let's listen back to some of the stuff that we covered this weekend. Of course, we had a doubleheader of action between Carlo and Kilkenny. We'll hear post-match reactions from managers from those games. We'll also hear from the GEA Club Player of the Year, Mr. Joey Holden, who caught up with Oshin Langan. Robbie caught up with Michal Brody after the disbandment two years on of the CPA. We'll have a bit of a Cheltenham rundown with Tony Mullins and Jamie Codd. While Brian O'Reilly from the Carlow and District League looks ahead to the KCLR Cup that is happening on a Thursday night. Elsewhere we'll hear Joe Sheen who talks all things Greyhounds and a personal favourite of mine every time I get to chat to him, Mr Joe Cabret, the owner of Over the Top Wrestling, ahead of a Scrapper Mania that's happening in St Patrick's weekend. First up though, here's Mr Derek Ling. Good win, Derek. Yeah, good win. Reasonably happy. Um, so we started the game well. Gave us a kind of cushion throughout the game, but I think overall, re- yeah, reasonably pleased. Got a chance to give fellas a run off the bench as well. Yeah, we did. Uh, we got a few injuries as well, a few knocks as well that we had to, you know, make a few changes. But um, yeah, they all contributed. Did well. Look, both teams are probably. Um, we don't know, who, you know, what kind of training they're doing, and you know, uh, injuries come into it and everything else. So look, we we know that when it comes to the championship, it's going to be a different game altogether. Um, so yeah, under no illusions there. We take a semi-final no matter where it was on, and uh, like we have a big test next week, and it's ideal for us now with the the game coming next week. Um, looking forward to it. It'll be a good test. But we kind of had to. We had a few head injuries, and we had planned on you know giving a, a run out to another couple of lads, and unfortunately some of the substitutes were in force as well so we couldn't do anything about that but um, he's, very, he's he's training well starting to come back into it and he's he's getting close to it yeah. they, they, they worked hard very hard throughout the game and it was good to see them um, you know um, having the confidence to go and, and try these things and go for it that's what we want Derek are you happy with where you are at the moment? Yeah, reasonably happy. Look, I mean, we obviously weren't good against Tipperary. We got the wins. We picked up, you know, the wins obviously in the other games. Um, we had to learn a lot. We probably learned a lot from the Tipperary game. We knew we had to pick it up, and the attitude from the players since then has been excellent. Um, Look, we've bigger tests to come, and we know next week will be another one for us, and that's that's ideal. That's what we want, and we're looking forward to that now. The question was asked to Liam Cahill last night about wanting to win a league title with proximity to the Leinster Championship and the Munster Championship. What are your thoughts on that? Now, look, we're we're very much we want to we want to win our next game, get into the knockout stages, go as far as we can uh, for sure. That's our ambition. Um, we have a number of, number of players that are hopefully coming back in the next couple of weeks as well. So additional games would be welcome, and uh, so yeah. No, looking forward to what lies ahead now. One more fee was one of the injuries, a head injury, wasn't it? Excuse me, yeah, he, he had a head, in, head injury and we just couldn't take any chances with him. And yeah, so we'll see, assess him this week and see how he goes. Yeah. 17 points and no whites there at half time. first half. Yeah, look at very sharp in the first half, and and even I just thought it worked great. I think it was our, you know, even from the puck house and that, we were very good. We were hunting in packs. We we you know got a few turnovers, and that was the most pleasing part of it. Like I said, we know we have bigger tests to come, and we know when we play Dublin here in the championship, it'll be different again. So, but look for today, happy, and uh, we just have to move on now and drive on. Parry was strong at corner back. He got a few nice scores. He might want to get back to centre forward there. 
Yeah, look, he's uh, he, experienced playing in, in, in lots of positions at this stage, so he's very comfortable moving up the field. And yeah, he got a couple of opportunities today and defended well, which is the most important thing. And a couple of scores then were a bonus. Well done, Derek. Tom, I don't really know what to say after that. It was competitive. It was a dour day for a game of hurling. It wasn't a classic. And to be fair, you kept yourself in it for a long time. So other than that, awfully probably shaded it at the end. They did, but overall... The hour it probably looked a little bit better. Ah, yeah. To be fair, to Offaly, they they can got the win. Their performance would have would have um, deserved the win. I'd say overall. I think to, I'd have to credit our own players for staying in the game when things weren't weren't going quite according to plan. Um, probably when you break it down and, and look at the final scoreline, it was probably the conversion rates on kind of both sides was probably the difference between the two teams ultimately. Like you know, freeze. I counted. They got a good few, but you'll get freeze on days like today and to put them away. And in fairness, you got goal chances, Tom. In the first half, in particular, two great goal chances. One near the end. And you did get one in the end but it was too little too late but you, Carlo have got umpteen chances today and you were really well in the game albeit not a great game of hurling No it wasn't a great game of hurling but sometimes, but that's that's the game we had to play today and um, I suppose we, we failed to adapt to probably the opportunities that, that we did that we did create um, our, as I said just a second ago our conversion rate just wasn't wasn't really good enough to win this kind of game I mean, you, like, you've got to be able to put the freeze over the bar and you've got to create what, what few opportunities can sometimes be there um, that's something we'll try and learn from um, learn from this game and kind of bring it forward to the Joe Mack Did you pull a few positives out of today Tom you did? Oh yeah I think so I, I, I think we've again we've got game time into lads and we see where they're at lads are, are, are trying to, to adapt to kind of a, to a panel kind of system from, from, from here on in as well and I think I mean it was it was probably difficult coming after the last day we, we, we had quite a big score and sometimes the next day can be not quite as good and, and from from the forest point of view and things that way and I think that's that reflected itself out there but we did hang in in the game thought we worked hard we could probably just bring a bit more speed into, in, into what we're doing with the ball that's all One more game in the league it's after passing by very quickly Derry at home next week so I know the league is done and dusted now but it's preparation for the Joe Mack and it's not too far away the 7th of April so I said it on commentary and I said I must ask you this question would you rather be competitive and have two possibly two more games in the league or be kind of fresh going into the Joe Mack with one or two challenge matches Oh, we're happy. We could, like, to be honest, with with trying out things and all that, we weren't sure if if, if we would make the league semi final. Um, but we have obviously planned, like like we all know today that we're kind of playing playing the Joe Mac, and we know what what the Joe Mac entails, and that's that's been our target. So, I mean, that's that's where our, our kind of test lies. Whether we'll be good enough, only time will tell. That's what that's what we're aiming towards. We have Derry next weekend. That's our most immediate game that, that we face right now, and that's the most important thing for us is, is to get a performance there and to kind of tidy up some of the things that we're missing maybe today. And the good thing about Today, your panel getting stronger. Chris Nolan back, John Michael back in the panel, uh, Kieran Whelan back. All to pick up a little bit of a knock. How is he? I will. Um, Bridge is assessing that there now, so I'll, I'll, I can know more later. Positive is that you have more players back anyway, and we're always going to be involved. And it's great to see Carlo with the full card now coming towards what's going to be an important competition. Oh yeah, it's a hugely important competition. I mean, um, and it's great having lads back. Um, I suppose the challenge for all of our players now is, is is to kind of reveal themselves fully over the course of the competition. That's next weekend against Derry, and and for the duration of kind of Joe Mac. That's that's ultimately what it, what it boils down to for hurlers is, is to get their performance levels right out on the field of play. And we we've got 15 that can represent Carlo any day, and we'll look for that to be at as high a standard as possible. Okay, now I know you're not a man to talk about controversy or things like that in relation to games, neither am I. But there was a few talking points in that game, Tom. We have to be honest. OK, what were they, Brendan? <laughs> see, you, see you again, Derek. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.
Johnny, well done, job done. It wasn't a classic, but uh, conditions didn't help either. But you got two men injured there, and there was a few talking points in the game, I suppose, as well. But for Offaly, you won the match. Yeah, that's it. Look at once the game is over, like we're just happy to get the points. But we know that Carlo are a really good team, and they'll come again strong. In, in, uh, and we're, we're going to meet again, obviously, in, in Joe McDonough, and maybe even um, sooner than that. But look, happy enough to get the result. Yeah, you're in a good position. I don't know what way the other game finished, but you're on eight points now, so it's looking like it could be in the league final. Oh, well, I think Carlo have uh, our Kildare uh, won the other game, so they obviously are probably in the same position yourself so all to play for next weekend here in Turnamore You'll enjoy that one but all in all on a bad day today you hurled well at times took your scores led at half time led when you needed it at full time Yeah look it wasn't all good either there was lots of times there that we, you know, we made uh, errors on the ball and misplaced passes and things like that Like, but you know um, things that you should be able to fix this week in training and obviously uh, we look at the, at, the, at the video and analyse that and, and uh, come back with, uh, with a, a stronger and better uh, performance hopefully against Kildare next weekend Some managers don't like talking about it but I felt if I was the Offaly manager I'd be disappointed with the sending off of your player and what did you feel on it yourself and as a Carlo commentator I felt that the Carlo centre back probably got a bit of a raw deal as well there were hard calls were the Johnny in, in tough conditions because there wasn't a lot in them for second yellow cards I look at the referee as a tough job like, and he I mean it's, it's, it's not easy to make those decisions like he, he uh, Keelan was on a yellow card in, from the first half and, and probably deserved it but uh, the second one here and, and this side here he, he basically went over the ball stood over to pick it up and we don't know maybe something happened but I didn't see it at the time so I didn't see anything too bad um, look these things happen you just have to roll the punches and get on with it because if you get too bogged down that's, that's when you lose your focus and, and lose games and that sort of thing so just keep our heads down and keep going OK well you've next week of course Carlov next week but it's only the last game in the league you'll have a bit of preparation if you, you're, you're going to be in the business end of the league which is great for Offaly so you look forward to next week and you, hopefully you can do it sure this is it like I mean uh, it's good this league is really competitive everyone, want, everyone in this league wants to perform and win every day to go out which is a little bit uh, different from what's going on in Division 1 um, uh, to be honest about it I don't think Division are right I think to be fair I think um, it's there's a, there's a disconnect between what's happening here and Division 1A where you know the yo-yo effect is damaging teams and I think that you know uh, getting up there is good and we really do want to win this league uh, obviously Kildare and all the teams that's in that are the same boat but look we have no choice we just have to go and try and perform if we do go out win and see where that takes us OK and can I jump forward a few weeks because you've just mentioned on the interview that Carroll are a good side all the teams in the Joe Mac it's going to be competitive and I know you have the league to deal with but certainly looking forward to the Joe Mac there's going to be some great games there's a short turnaround as well Johnny so it doesn't help that the games come quickly and it's a great competition well, it's a great competition but there is, it's not a short turnaround there is no turnaround no. You know, it's going straight into the games like, yeah. and that's it like, but Carlo will learn a lot from that today like, and they will have watched those and they'll analyse that and they'll come back with a plan they've got a really good management team there and guys that are clever and around long enough to, you know, to, to, to assess what happened today and they'll come back no doubt with, uh, with a plan and with, uh, with uh, a really strong performance in Joe McDonough and you know so be it OK listen thanks for your words well done today and we'll see you in the Joe Mac OK thank you very much come on thank you Well, I'm joined now by the AIB GA Club Hurler of the Year, Joey Holden from Ballyhale Shamrocks. Joey, congratulations to you. A fifth AIB GA All-Ireland Senior Club medal for you in your career. But the first time you've ever received this award. Now, it's a bit of an odd one because as we speak, the award ceremony is going on in Crow Park. Uh, but you are joining me from Guatemala. Uh, your family, though, and the club are representing you in Crow Park this evening. First of all, how does it feel to achieve such an honour? 
It's a huge privilege and an honour to be picked as club hurler of the year. Uh, it was not something I really expected, even to be nominated. It was a bit of a shock, but um, I think it goes credit down to the club and the team that I'm a part of as well. Um, we've had a phenomenal year and great success ta- capping it off in Crow Park, winning the all Ireland final. So um, that was the main goal, and these awards come afterwards. But yes, certainly um, delighted to, be, to, to win this award. And my family are there representing me tonight and picking it up. So um, just shows what, what GA and what we're all about in Ballyhale is our families and our connections and our community. And I'm just honoured and privileged to accept this award on behalf of them, I suppose. Now, I know you had a very special motivation when you came back this year. Uh, it was a special, special year for the club. Um, but maybe another motivation was trying to get Bally Gunner and TJ Reid even said it recently he said that everyone was talking about Bally Gunner being the best club team ever it was a bit disrespectful after what our club Ballyhale Shamrocks has achieved over the last 10 years um, so maybe there was a there was a revenge mission in mind there as well and I know that you've the utmost respect for Bally Gunner and they for you but uh, maybe the talk around it from people outside the clubs was giving you a bit of fuel a bit of motivation um, certainly a special year I suppose when you look back but I suppose for myself, being away and, and potentially not coming back, but I suppose the lure was there of completing five in a row and the 50th year of the club, and that was the ultimate aim, the target. And we'd see after that if we could do it, and, and to win that was was so so special for the club. And I suppose attention turned to uh, the Leinster series, and then we won that in the Ireland series. And yeah, some performances in Leinster maybe didn't do us ourselves credit. And I suppose going into that semi-final, we had a bit of a revenge mission when you think about how the All-Ireland final went last year against Ballygunner and the build-up and yeah we were written off to a certain extent but listen we just used whatever motivation we could grab that whatever we could in order to try and bring out a, a good performance that would get us to the club All-Ireland final and, and and then try and repeat that in the club All-Ireland final which we managed to do so yeah when I look back it's also special considering how things worked out um, for myself personally, in the circumstance of coming home and uh, our own family going through a tough time as well, it just the way it all worked out. I suppose hurling was the thing that just kept being the shining light and kept keeping our spirits high. And uh, to finish it off the way we did and, and get this award tonight, it, it's really, really special. And of course, you are not alone on the AIB GA Club Hurling Team of the Year. And many of your teammates are there as well, including Richie Reid, Adrian Mullen, Owen Cody. TJ Reid, Colin Fenley. But um, what's really impressive about Ballyhead Shamrocks and what you've done over the years is the constant regeneration. And Killian Corcoran and Dara Corcoran are also in the team of the year. How is it that you keep creating these young players? How is it that you keep rejuvenating the team? Because we've seen it with great club teams in the past. They've been great for a while, but then maybe they drop off because it's very hard to sustain that level because you just can't produce that level of player all the time. Yet, you seem to be the exception. Yeah, it's a tricky one, I suppose, in Bella Hill. There's hurling is, is the number one thing so um, it's not that we do anything outrageously special with the players but I suppose there's a history and tradition there of hurling and um, young kids grow up watching 
older players succeed and representing teams in Ballyhale and Kilkenny and, and they aspire to be like that so I suppose that gives them that drive and that hunger to work hard and keep developing themselves and when they come into the senior panel get the opportunity to watch these players mark these players and try to improve themselves so I think there's no great secret of they're doing this or they're doing that I think they're going down enjoying their hurling and, and trying to develop um, all the time and I think huge credit has to be given to the whole panel in, in Ballyhale this year um, it can be a long year when you're getting to a club all Ireland and I know that sounds a bit silly because people are saying you're lucky to get there but it's still long and you still have to be dedicated no matter what if you're number one or if you're number 32 to the whole to the whole process um, because without them we wouldn't be there uh, Killian and Dara have been exceptional all year you know Killian has kind of come onto the panel this year and um, it's sometimes it's hard when you're a young chap like that to find a spot but he's maybe had some disappointments through the year where he started some games and didn't start other games but that didn't phase him at all he just kept the head down kept working hard and and showing it in his performances that listen you have to pick me in the team you can't keep me off this team find a place for me so he's come on leaps and bounds but hopefully that's only the start for him he'll know he has a lot of work to to keep improving and keep working hard um Dara has been exceptional you kind of have to pinch yourself and how Dara is still in college he seems like he's been there for years almost but um yeah he just does his job really really well uh, he's strong he's physical he's fast you know if a half hour is going back down the field it doesn't bother him he's able to communicate with the backs very well and, and do his job and then he's very hard to catch when he's going forward so I'd say he's a nightmare for the forward to mark more so for the back to mark for Dara to mark the forward and that kind of way but he's been exceptional as well and, and he's going from strength to strength and looking forward to seeing how he goes in Wickley Kenny this year and hopefully he can make that, that next leap up into Intercounty um, so I think that's it there's no real magic to the success it's just a panel effort and we have some fantastic hurlers there I mean, you know, could just find there Richie and Colin TJ um, but the lads around have been unbelievable top. Paddy Muller Ronan Corker and our captain this year he's been a phenomenal leader uh, Paddy's had some great games Brian Butler the way he came on there against Paddy Honor and just slid in and just done a great job Dean has been fantastic in goal Evan has been up and down that pitch non-stop as well and then the forwards likes of Adrian Owen Cody and Niall Shortall jumping in there Joey Cuddy um, fantastic players right throughout the field and they all work so hard to keep improving and I think that's the key to it and I know you're away from home but are you keeping in touch with everything and everyone or have you taken a complete break from hurling it's different um, that's for sure uh, keeping tabs on, on how all things are going back home through social media and what's not so interesting to see how, how Kilkenny are going and I know the Ballyhale boys will still be resting at this time of year um, but yeah it's certainly I'd say when it comes down to the nitty gritty and the main end of getting back into the field you'll certainly miss it but I know we're, we're enjoying it so far and this has been the plan for a long time I suppose there's slight changes here and there but um, this has been planned for a while so looking forward to travelling and seeing parts of the world but I'll certainly be keeping in contact and, and keeping touch and base with how the lads are getting on back at home Now as a herder both with club and, and when you were with county I imagine your weeks and your months and maybe even your years were planned out you knew exactly what you were doing and when you were doing it now that you're travelling, maybe that's different. How are you? Um, how are you handling the unstructured nature of life at the moment? 
Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's different. My life is usually planned out training Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and you do your gyms or whatever in between. So it's a little different to that. We've a, we have a general idea of what we want to do. It's a bit open-ended, but uh, looking forward to some of the main highlights. So in Guatemala, we'll be climbing an active volcano, um, and then future down the line, likes of doing maybe some diving in Honduras and uh, climbing Machu Picchu in Peru. So there are some of the highlights into the Amazon and Ecuador. There are some of the highlights that we have to look forward to and that's the plan but I'm kind of enjoying maybe the, the open ended of us that which is which comes with travelling but we have a some sort of a structure and, and we'll keep going as long as the money will last us so totally enjoying it. You miss home at times but that's just part of it but we're enjoying the experience. Well Joy you have been very generous with your time and I know you're travelling and you're enjoying yourself so the last thing you wanted to do maybe was uh, have a chat with me but I know it's a special night for you and a special night for your family as we speak um, well, you've been awarded. Unfortunately, you're not there because you're on your travels. But uh, many of your teammates are in Crow Park for the AIBGA uh, Club Player Awards. Uh, you have been named the AIBGA Club Hurler of the Year, but uh, several of your teammates have been included in the Team of the Year. Let's run through the entire team, actually. Uh, Stephen O'Keefe from Ballygunner and Gold, and it's Killian Corcoran, your good self, and Ryan McGarry in the full back line. Ryan McGarry, obviously, of Dunloy. His teammate, Kevin Malloy, is at uh, wing back with Richie Reid and Dara Corcoran, both of the Shamrocks. Uh, wearing numbers six and seven. Connor Sheehan of Bally Gunner is partnered by Adrian Mullen of the Shamrocks in midfield. Then it's uh, another Shamrocks man, Owen Cody, alongside TJ Reid and Park Mahoney of Bally Gunner at wing forward. Obviously, Owen and TJ of Ballyhale Shamrocks, but I don't think that uh, required clarification. Connell Cunning, what a season he had. He's named a corner forward in the other corner, Patrick Fitzgerald of Banny Gutter. And at uh, number 14, full forward yet again, it is Colin Fenley. Congratulations to all the players who have been named on the AIBGA Club Hurling Team of the Year, but especially to you, Joey, uh, having been named the Player of the Year. And again, I really appreciate you joining us from Guatemala, where you're enjoying your travels, and we wish you the very best of luck. Thanks very much. Moshina, honoured and privileged to receive the award. Thanks again. We're going to concentrate on something that happened this week two years ago because the Club Players Association announced that it had disbanded after the GA voted on a motion to introduce a split season at its Congress this time two years ago as I say back in 2021 the CPA which was launched in 2017 was set up describing itself as a one issue organisation the split season that being that issue with their mantra being to fix the fixtures here to talk about the legacy of the CPA is its former chairman Michal Briody Michal thanks ever so much for speaking to me today Um, how are you? all good all good Robbie good evening to you Um, Michal I suppose could you take us back to the origins of the C- of the Club Players Association, first of all, how did it come to be? Yeah, well, I suppose it was Declan Brennan that set it up from Monaghan, and he asked a number of uh, people uh, to get involved. And uh, I think it was November seventeen uh, or November sixteen when we had a meeting in Crow Park. Um, it was about thirty or forty people, and really it was, it was around the whole issue of people, you know, people at club and inter county. We're not happy with the fixtures. There was, a, there was a lot of overlap. There was a lot of uncertainty. So we set up in January, um, January 17. We, we launched uh, the Club Players Association. Um, I I went in as chairman. Uh, Declan started as secretary, and uh, Anthony Miles would have been treasurer. 
So we started off with, as I say, Anthony was treasurer, but we never we never took in any money. Uh, we never looked for any money. Everything that was done uh, was on a voluntary basis. And we did that for a reason, um, because we felt we felt if we could to keep through to our aim, which as you uh, as you mentioned uh, on the introduction, was to fix the fixtures. If we started uh, getting into money and fundraising, it was going to distract, and you're going to have to be accountable for that. Um, so it was very much nobody could question um, what we were doing and why we were doing. <laughs> some of them, the powers that be, may have not liked the way we brought up some of the issues but we weren't looking for position and we weren't looking for money so we weren't looking to be the next chairman of uh, county boards or provincial councils we you know anyone was involved had no ambitions that way we just wanted to fix the fixtures get get a level of certainty that it was in every other sport that wasn't in GA and bring that to, uh, to all members so it, that's where it started out. We had a lot of talks uh, initially with um, the Secretary General and President of the GA at the time, and I think we went through. You know, it would have changed from Porrick Duffy to Tom Ryan, and would have changed from Egono Farrell to um, John Horn, um, and then uh, later to, uh, to Larry McCarthy. So. We would have we would have had discussions with all of them, with all the CCCs um, and, and and various sort of um, uh, committees, fixtures committees in Crow Park, and trying to get across what we want. Um, they did. We, we did then. Uh, John Horn set up a, a fixtures uh, committee then to look at a number of different options for the master plan uh, in his term, and we did sit on it. Uh, we did eventually pull out of it because we felt they were just trying to to um, push through a version of the status quo. Uh, which we didn't think was uh, enough. Like you know, we didn't think it was it, it was really uh, what uh, what was wanted or what was needed. Um, so look, in the end, we got we got what we looked for initially, which was the split season. But I'm not under any uh, not under any suspicion that it was uh, the CPA on its own that got that. Um, it was one of the sort of maybe the the the, the outshoots of of COVID when when everything went into lockdown, a split season was the only option. So it was forced um, for two seasons and um, players, and when I say players, club players and inter-county players liked it a lot and there was huge uh, feedback to uh, the GA uh, on you know, on, on how, how good the split season was, how inter-county players were liking being back at the clubs and having a designated period because whilst there was club periods, anyone that was on the inter-county panels, you know, was really being expected to train with them as well uh, for nearly 11 months of the year. So it was it was unsustainable uh, at that uh, at that level. But for a lot of other reasons too, it made sense. So it's not not so perfect at the moment, and um, there'll be tweaks over time. But certainly um, from the first uh, you know two years of seeing it now in full, um, the feedback has certainly been positive, Robbie. And two years since you have disbanded, how do you feel the move to a split season has gone? Yeah, I, th- I think it has worked very well because, I mean, even when we were on those committees, the split season would only work when the All-Ireland, uh, the last All-Ireland final was played on the third week of July. Um, because if, and you know, there's plenty of commentary and then it's, it's really just um, a, a, few people, a few people in the media. Um, it's not people at grassroots. Uh, or even on inter-county panels, 
that are saying we need to bring this, you know, we're losing out sort of key um, key media coverage on the All-Ireland if they're not in September. But if it went past the third week of July, you couldn't have a split season because of the number of weeks that's needed for a club season and equally to what's the number of the weeks that's needed for the inter-county season. Um, so that was agreed. That was agreed very much early on uh, with everyone around the table. And, and one, the split season was one of the options thrown out um, by um, the commit by, by that committee, but it wasn't being considered at the time because they thought it was a step too far. But then COVID came in and brought that through. But how has it worked so far? Look, I think it's worked very well. Like um, there's clear certainty uh, on when on, on when there's games. As I say, there's still a few anomalies. We would have seen there. Um, early on in the year with the Sigerson and Fitzgibbon sort of, you know, ekes in on the inter-county. But that's really a case. And I suppose it is, it's probably a little bit different in the split season now because thing, you know, by bringing in the Talton Cup, um, being in Division 2, be Division 3, there's a lot more riding on it. It's not just the league where you can just kind of try out um, a load of players. There is a lot riding on it going into championship because there is that, that, that connection. So, you know, but at the same time, I think there is opportunities um, to cut back on a few um, both uh, club and inter-county tournaments. Like, you know, when it was put in, it was like, oh, we have to at all costs leave the league, leave the championship um, as is. Um, and, and things like, you know, you know, you know, to be impaired away, league quarterfinals, league semifinals, uh, et cetera. Like, you know, so look, it, it's all about having enough games, but also having about enough time pr- prepare for the championship at both inter-county and club but you know we, we have seen it from again from a distance but all of us that were in the CPA are actively involved in our own clubs some at county level as well and uh, whilst we don't meet anymore we do sort of kind of stay in touch uh, casually and you know I mean certainly the feedback all of us have got uh, over the last couple of years has been positive towards uh, towards towards that change to a split season And you mentioned there positive feedback I mean the reason for that was because of the huge impact that you had I suppose there was a bit of surprise and maybe even a tinge of disappointment by many in the club game that you did disband when you did even though as you said you, you achieved your, your ultimate goal of that split season uh, and to fix their fixtures but did you ever think that even your presence alone would be of huge benefit to clubs and club players and that there would be kind of a bit of reluctance to make any changes that didn't work for the club by the powers that be if you had have stuck around yeah look I mean we did debate it uh, on the executive um, you know but uh, you know in the end we were all agreed that you know we said at the outset we were a single issue um, organisation and when that was um, when that was um, achieved, we said right, okay, you know, it's 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 time to fold up the tent and move left to centre, because the GA in itself, in fairness, look, all like it has enough um, organisations and sort of between from from clubs to club executives to county boards to provincial level to look after the players, look. I think if we had stayed around and had no immediate mission, we would have lost. Um, you know, we, it could be easy to lose the way and people to question us and say, "Well, look, why are they still here? What are they? What are they doing now? What are they in it for?" Um, whereas I think when we left, we kind of said, "Look, it was easy for us to to establish. It was easy for us to get up and 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 uh, and do what we did." But then we went right. And it's easy for another set of individuals to do that in time if there is an issue um, 
of uh, of concern that's effect, that's impacting club players or any set of or any set of members of the GA. I hope I, I would like to see another one. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to think that the organisation in itself has learned a lot from this exercise and has sort of kind of you know within itself you know been more reactive to the wider grassroots. Um, and I think look, it's 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 not to say it won't be needed, but. Um, I don't, you know, I think there's, there's plenty of issues like, you know, it could be things like insurance, welfare, etc. that the likes of the GPA look after uh, for the inter-county players. But, but that's it. But, you know, there's a huge amount of club players, there's a huge amount involved and, you know, it can get quite messy if you're getting involved in every in, in various issues uh, around the country for various clubs. So, like, no, we never regretted disbanding. It was the right decision. Um, because we set up to as a single issue and because we were not looking, as I said at the outset of the interview, because we were not looking for, mon- for, for money or for position, then we could just sort of kind of go and say, look, look, we could easily ring up in the morning, uh, ring each other up and say, look, here, let's go again on another issue. Um, but believe you me, we're, we're busy enough, men and women, that uh, we don't need that, but uh, the option is there. Did it ever go into a different area in terms of discussions or talking about what you could actually do? Because you came in in 2017 and you became this huge voice in the GA, in the GA that everybody listened to. And eventually, obviously, you got your you got your way in, in a sense that I think has been for the good of not just club players, but the GA generally now. Um did you ever think we could be a really f- a great force for change with smaller stuff that maybe isn't even associated with clubs? D- do you know what I'm trying to say there? That you became this yeah, huge no. voice that maybe a lot of people hadn't had until you did become a, a force we reckon with. Um, yes and no. I, I personally, I said no. Like I mean, I, I was very much sort of like once once it was fixtures, that, that was it. Because to me, all the issues emanated from fixtures, right? You know. Like there was things like money, like and, and you know the money that clubs are saving now, and 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 in and county boards are saving because of shorter seasons. You're not, you don't have a management team going for long periods of time when there's no games, and you're waiting for a county team to be knocked out, and you're paying them or you're paying physios for players getting injured too long. So, so there's a shorter season, so it's made a lot more monetary sense as well. Um, but no, no. Generally, around the executive, Robbie, it was it was definitely sort of, you know, it, it, it's time to exit um, exit stage. And whilst there could have been some issues, look, it took up a huge amount of our time for four years as well. And as I say, we weren't um, we were doing all of that voluntarily. And I suppose it's something that you get a pep of energy for and you drive it forward. But is that sustainable in the long term? Probably not. We know a big supporter of yours was the 1996 uh, All-Ireland winning manager with Wexford, Liam Griffin. We spoke to him last week on Scoreline and he had mentioned his frustrations with getting things through in Congress in terms of trying to have all clubs in Ireland have a hurling team up to the age of under 12 to promote the sport. So with that in mind, even though maybe four years on the face of it sounds like it took an awful long time to get this through, are you really proud about how quick it happened that you were able to become this big power for just and for good in such a short space of time yeah it was probably two things took us by surprise probably the impact we had and, 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 and the the amount of media kind of coverage we got and that we were asked on a lot of topics that you know, honestly, sometimes maybe we weren't experts on, but they wanted to they wanted to get a feel for for the club players and and, and the club players' view on a lot of things because in a lot of GA discussions, there's generally only one side, which is um, 
you know, uh, Crow Park and, and, and uh, you know, they wanted to get maybe some, you know, and that, that was one side. Um, look, Liam, Liam was brilliant with us. Like, you know, he's on, his, on the executive from the outset. Like, you know, he was, uh, you know, if you're looking for a man with energy, like, you know, he's uh, he's, he's the epitome of it. Like, you know, uh, you know, the amount of even, you know, driving home that uh, me and him had conversations on, on on how to fix certain things and taking different angles. Like, you know, he's a, you know, brilliant strategic mind. Like, you know, and, you know, he's a huge driver behind what we did. But yeah, it, it, did it surprise us within the four years we achieved it? Yes. Um, but as I said, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think anyone in the GA will say, oh, that was because of um, CPA. You know, they said that they had this idea as well. But we said from the outset, it's not about who's right, it's about what's right. And what's right was fixing the fixtures. And COVID did come in, and that, God forbid, nobody was uh, was expecting that or would expect such an event that would crystallise um, a split season uh, that was just needed. So, I mean, you got this perfect trial run um, during that period, and then it was like everyone, you know, said, okay, right, so why not stick with this? So, I mean, that, that you know, yeah, that did surprise us, but pleasantly surprise us uh, that we were able to sort of kind of disband at that stage and say, yeah, that's it, it's gone into Congress, that's what we wanted, you know, it's in rule now, um, so what more can we do on that issue? And if another major issue was to occur, and I know we spoke to you at the time of the disbandment of the Club Players Association, and you touched on this, and I think you've slightly touched on it a little earlier too, if another major issue occurs, as I say, this could be picked up and it could become an association again in quite a quick space of time, if I'm if I'm right in saying. Oh yeah, like I mean, like we had a constitution um, that we formed, like and it's it's very easy, it's administratively very simple um, to do. Like, like we did have the backing of you know over twenty five thousand club players uh, who signed up uh, as members. Now again, to as I said, we didn't ask for money on that. People said, "Oh, you have to ask for money for membership." But again, for the reason they outlined earlier, we didn't, <clears throat> and I think it was the right decision. But um, yeah, it, it can be done. It can be done again. But look, there's all those issues. There's issues in every sport. But like, I think if you look at the way the GA and I are looking at some of them, and probably the biggest issue facing the organisation, and one of them at the moment, is the integration with the ladies' game and uh, camogie. And they have a committee there led by. Um, uh, Mary McAleese uh, looking at that but that and I'm, I'm quite involved now at club level more so on the ladies side because I have three daughters um, that is probably that's not easy like that that's a quite a complex problem um, on trying to get all of that integrated it's not just as easy as saying oh we'll all be the one and we'll all you know um, that is and I think you know when they get work on that like I mean again too that'll that'll bring more of a family feel to the GAA to the fact that um, the three codes can be integrated more seamlessly. And very finally, Michal, you're a big GA man yourself, of course, otherwise you would never have been involved in this in the first place. What have you been getting up to over the last two years since the Club Players Association was no more? Um, as I say, yeah, three daughters, so I'm kind of training. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the second one is on the county team, uh, on, on the county under 16, so yeah, that's two nights a week uh, transport more to train and and uh, round the country then for games. So yeah, you get into something something different. And it kind of takes up your time, but like you meet such again to it at games like that all over the place. You meet such brilliant GA people, like you know exactly as they did in the CPA. 
So, I mean, you know, as long as you're loving the game, and which I always kind of will, there's plenty of things to do. And, and obviously, been, you know, you're involved in fundraising for the clubs as well at various times as well. Um, no, there'll be plenty of requests. You just can't do them all. But look, you, you do it because you love it. That's exactly it. Well, Michal Briody, thanks ever so much for speaking to us today. And I'm sure on behalf of all club players like myself, thanks so much for um, initiating that split season and help. Now I'm here in Gorn at what three stood with Tony Mullins uh, in the racing circle known as Anthony but to me a good friend over the years and to the people of Carlow Kilkenny and the racing world Tony we're just a few days out it's a huge week for you it always has been a massive week for the Mullins family Cheltenham the Olympics of horse racing and for the ordinary person in the street everybody loves Cheltenham but you have a superstar heading over there and not only a superstar on the racetrack but a very much appreciated horse on social media and Twitter Princess Zoe a massive massive following yeah well I mean it's well noted how much I love her but I'm, I'm always surprised at how you know the public love her uh, maybe that it's because she's grey or whatever but to me she's very very special and preparations are going well Tony yeah, we've got everything done uh, the way we want it. Now, we did heat it in Punchestown, and uh, we'll say she took that race hard enough because we had a plan to run a second time in February, and we thought that the race was hard enough, so we eased back, and now we're going in off one run over her. So that's not ideal, but it's just the way the cards fell. Okay, now rain and weather won't be a game changer as such. Uh, I've spoken to you before about that. The stats with Princess Zoe proved that, but there is rain forecast for Cheltenham. There has been rain over the weekend, and as I said to you before, although not a game changer, uh, she has won on quick ground, but slower ground will probably suit her better than other horses in the race, true? Yeah, well, you see, it doesn't matter to her what ground it is. So, and we're hoping that the softer ground might inconvenience a few of the flatbread horses. Uh, but Unfortunately, the favourite has a liking for Lucia, Nicky Henderson's. It has a liking for soft ground. So uh, what might help us helps the favourite. And, and maybe that's not ideal. But, you know, I mean, Lucia is going to take a lot of beating. But our filly has done everything uh, we wanted in the preparation. So if we're good enough, we'll take her on. And if we're not, then we'll have, just have to take our beating. But I'll be very disappointed. She's well travelled, Longchamp, Ascot. You know, you've won some big races on the Saudi flat. Arabia. Saudi Arabia, Germany. Yeah. I see she won. And you bought her in Germany, of course, didn't you? She's bred German bred. She's German bred, but her father is now in Lachlan Bridge here, very close to Willie's Yard and in Burgage Stud jukebox jury and uh, looks like he's going to be a very good sire like he he could also have the winner of the opening race Ilite Tomp who they're all forgetting because uh, they think that Fasile Vega had an off day my opinion he beat him fair and square and I think Ilite Tomp will beat Fasile Vega on Tuesday as well Preparations. You've always been a, a man that got on very well with everybody, but as a jockey and as a trainer. And preparations. You've left no stone unturned here because I spotted Donna Myler was riding out Princess Zoe during the week. So you have to take everything into consideration if, and have another jockey on standby. You know, and you're hoping that everyone gets over, the horse gets there safely, all the lads and the lassies who are riding the horses in Cheltenham all get there safely, get home safely. It's a big undertaking, Tony, but you're leaving no stone unturned. You're preparing very, very well, but you have to. Yeah, well, obviously, like I'd love Danny to ride her, and he is riding. Her, but if Danny got a fall, I don't want to be there uh, with a mare that nobody knows her. Yeah. So 
Donna is riding out of his skin at the moment, so um, you know it's nice to know that he's there on the sideline if anything, God forbid, happened with Danny and he missed the day, you know. So uh, it's just a little precaution we're taking, but we're full steam ahead with Danny that's the plan yeah and your brother Willie has a fair hand in this race as well as we know WP is, is, his record speaks for itself uh, Lucia and Willie's uh, won the, the best of Willie's in that race you have a five pound advantage there because they're f- carrying five pound heavier tell us about that little advantage yeah well they won listed hurdles uh, which means they get a five pound penalty and we only dead heated in a maiden hurdle so there's no penalty so we get five pounds it's a help and I, I would have imagined a big help, but statistics show that the listed winners have won this race. So it's not a, as big an advantage as when I looked up the statistics, it's not as big an advantage as I had hoped. However, Tony, it's a fantastic achievement to get a horse over to Cheltenham. As I said, we're a few days out, so we want to wish you the best of luck. You're giving this horse a great each-way chance. You're very positive and you're very, very happy with preparations so far. You don't have to go into the nitty-gritty and let the opposition know the details now, but uh, you are very happy. And, and, and I know the, the preview nights, you've been very sweet on the horse, and you, you f- firmly believe that Zoe can really do well on Thursday. She's never let me down, and uh, the excitement I get going out to meet this one every morning... Uh, you know, you just can't put it in words. She's very intelligent. I've I just seen her here in action this morning. She actually knows what she's about. She actually looks at you knowing what she's going to have to do. I'm just watching them riding out here this morning. Yeah, it's amazing. She just watches me every time. And she knows by the movement of my hands what's, whether she's doing slow cantering or fast walking. Most horses, I think, don't notice that. But she misses nothing. And is it true she stamps her foot when she wants to get out of the stable? Yeah, like every morning she goes out in the paddock, but some mornings it's raining, so I leave her in until the rain passes, and she'll stand at the door stamping her foot and saying, like, you know, I'm due out and I want to be out there. Okay, now that's Princess Zoe. We're going each way, but hopefully we see her coming up the hill and half a car look at Kenny arriving on your shoulder and roar home up that. And Wexford, of course, Paddy Kyo and Wexford. But uh, there's a lot of races, Tony. There's over 500 horses, can only be 28 winners. What else can you point in direction, as I always said to the Mrs. Murphy's out there and someone wants to put two euro each way on something or five or win on a horse during the week? Any any, um, tips for us there? Well, you see, Willie has a lot of them there. But, I mean, we'll say, aside from punting, um, Galloping de Champ is favourite for the Gold Cup. But he just could be a new champion emerging. He's a very exciting horse. And if everything goes right, this, you know, could be his first Gold Cup. And, you know, he's an exciting horse to watch. And then a horse for a nice each-way bet. Willie has the favourite in the first race on Wednesday Imperial Pass and they think he'll win but I think that Danny might beat him on Willie's second string a horse called Champ Kylie who won the Lawlers of Nace grade one in Nace there just after New Year's Day and I think he's massive value at 8 or 10 to 1 uh, you hear the horses yawning. We must be talking too much here, Brendan. <laughs> well, it's great to hear them and it's great to see them all looking out over the gates. Tony, I want to wish you well. Um, I want to wish everybody, all the local trainers, uh, everybody that's involved in the equine business in Carlock and Kenny and surrounding areas because it's a massive employer and a lot of people don't realise that. Yeah, uh, it's our life. So it's sort of, we don't notice things like that. But when you think of the overall picture, uh, the likes of Jim Bulger and Willie there, they're probably the two biggest uh, employers in Carlow for an independent people, you know. They're like 
each place would have over 100 people between secretaries, blacksmiths, stable lads, jockeys, vets, uh, you name it. I mean, there, there's so many gallop men, uh, every type of people, you know, electricians, heavy drivers. Yeah, drivers for the lorries. And it's an amazingly, you know, you go into Willie's or Jim Bulger when they're in action there in the morning. It's like going into a small town. I have been there. Listen, I'm not going to delay you. You have lots of work to do. You have lots of people to talk to. You have lots of connections. Safe journey to Cheltenham. We wish Princess Zoe the very best and everybody that's taken part over there uh, during the week. I see you have a runner in Dundalk next Thursday as well. Will I put a two euro each on that one? Yeah, he ran well the last day. Emperor of Silk is his name and I'd love to think we could win the cup in Cheltenham on, on the afternoon and then in the evening just when we're having a pint watch this lad win on the telly. Well, listen, the very best of luck to you and all your staff, Tony, and the very best of luck to Princess Zoe and everybody can follow Princess Zoe's progress on Twitter also because an absolutely phenomenal amount of people follow this horse. It's amazing how popular as I've said. As I say, I love her. It's great to see that the public love her as well, you know. So, um, it excites us to, you know, that's what we have good horses for. For people to follow and, and um, it's great, you know, when people, so many people wish me the best of luck next week you know it's 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 phenomenal like it's 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 like a Kilkenny hurling team all on its own well listen from everybody Kessler an omen here Tony that horse behind you is nodding his head as you're talking so we could be on a positive note here very best of luck in Cheltenham and I'll talk to you Thursday evening well done thanks Brendan in the hot seat with you until 7 o'clock and on this evening's show we'll be looking ahead to Kilkenny versus Dublin in Nolan Park on Sunday Offaly versus Carlow will be taking place in O'Connor Park on Saturday must win game really for Carlow to try and get through to the semi-final so we'll be delving into that and we'll be looking a little bit at the rugby as well ahead of Ireland versus Scotland this weekend as Ireland go in their quest of a Grand Slam their way in Scotland on Sunday we'll have a look at that also but first we're going to start with horse racing and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by legendary Wexford jockey Jamie Codd. Jamie, thanks a million for taking the call. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's absolutely great to be chatting to you because I'd say you're one of the busiest men in the country with Cheltenham fever gripping the nation. Yeah, yeah, look at I haven't uh, I haven't had much time to think about it yet, Eddie. I'm uh, I'm out on the road with um with Tattersalls. We're looking at stores for the for the upcoming summer store sales, so that's when I'm 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 that's occupying a lot of my time at the minute. But um, yeah, well, I'm finished there now, so I'm hoping to. Uh, kind of focus more on Cheltenham now. Before I get stuck into Cheltenham with you, Jamie, just this weekend you're you're up in Navan tomorrow. Hopefully, it'll, I think there's a precautionary inspection. It should be fine. I think the snow is clearing away. But you're up in Navan tomorrow, riding Far and Glory in the bumper for Garden there. Yeah, yeah, Far and Glory tomorrow. Uh, a fame and glory horse there, Eddie. He, um, he it's his first run for us. He was placed in a couple of point of points there for Pat Collins down in Cork. So. Yeah, looking forward. He seems to be working well, and um, I think that the track will suit and ground will suit. So I, I'd be kind of, you know, with Turles being called off the other day, now it'd be nice. It'd be nice now for Navin to go ahead, and we we don't lose another meeting, you know. No, it's important. Obviously, Goran Park is racing tomorrow as well. We've the the docks bumper. We were uh, you were a notable omission when we were looking at the jockey bookings for the the day. Obviously, Tully <laughs> Hill there for uh, Willie Mullins. I'd say he's um, you know he's the big uh, Chieveley Park horse. I'd say he'd be a very exciting runner in our bumper tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, no, he's um, he's another one that came out of Point of Pinefield, Eddie, and 
Sure, look, it's, uh, I think, David, that's why we, we had it in Avon to, to try and stay away from Willie for, for a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then, of course, on Sunday as well, you're you're in Limerick there, Lucky Lyrene, I think, uh, one and down right over Christmas as well. Probably a decent horse with a good chance going to Limerick. Yeah, Lucky Lyrene had a chance uh, to win his bumper now, so he had to carry a penalty. And, um, you know, but, but he's, a, he's a good, tough kind of horse, and it doesn't look an overly strong uh, you know there's a few there Willie has one in it but um, yeah I think I think he could I think he could um, he could be a good ride there now on Sunday please God no fingers crossed and Jamie just just kind of want to pick your brain a small bit obviously next week next Tuesday it kicks off Cheltenham Festival it's it's the Olympics of Irish jumps or Olympics of jumps racing in the world everyone is, is, is mad keen on it it's, it's one week of the year where jockeys become the biggest sports stars in the world but for yourself Jamie you know what what's your week going to look like? Um, I've a busy, I've a busy enough week now, Eddie. To be honest, now with with Perlis, um schedule for Monday, uh, so obviously now we won't travel till Monday night. Um, so that's a kind of a, a a little bit of a pain because you know we're we usually try and travel there Monday morning, Monday afternoon, and try and get settled in. Uh, so basically, when we get look at when we get over there Tuesday morning, and ride out for Garden. Um, uh, we'd probably start at about half seven. We'd, we'd pull out there at half seven and we'd go down to the middle of the track and we'll ride out one or two lots. And then, basically, my morning then will will weave a sail over there. Tattersalls have a sail, so I'm involved in that as well. So I have to go to the sales um, complex and do a couple of hours there. And then, obviously, it's on to the race course there for the for the races then. So your your day is, is quite busy, um, you know, and that's... That carries on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, really. Um, the sale is on Thursday evening after racing, so it's it, it, it's quite a busy week, you know. And are you able to enjoy it, Jamie? Like I like I've been lucky enough, you know, to see you so many times with your winners, and you know your your head, big smiley head on you. You know, I've seen it a lot of times with you know. I'm thinking of Fiona off the top of my head there. I'm thinking of Envalen. You know, you you know you've you've had you've been lucky enough to have loads of great winners at Cheltenham. But are you able to enjoy it, or is it just absolutely manic and then you kind of look back on it a week later and enjoy it. Yeah, no, you do. Um, you do enjoy it, Eddie. Um, you do enjoy it. It, it. it is a busy week, and you'd know you'd know you've been there for the week, sort of when you come home. Uh, but look, I think you have to enjoy it. It's it's the Olympics. It's it's the Olympics of our sport, and you know if you don't if you don't enjoy it you shouldn't be there that's the way I look at it you know um, there's some fantastic racing um, it's it, it's savage to be a part of it all really you know um, like I'd be on the road there now this week and the amount of people that you're meeting there and you know they say geez, you're going across to Cheltenham and you kind of don't realise till you're talking to those people to realise that you're in a lucky position to be going over to it you know so I do enjoy it I, lo- I love every part of it now to be honest and just just for your own kind of and I'm not going to ask you to go through every race with us and do a Cheltenham preview for the next six minutes but <laughs> if I bring Jamie Coll on the radio and I don't talk to you about a few of the races I, 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 I'd have to get an armed escort back home to, to Gorn from Kilkenny City <laughs> tonight but just looking I, I suppose I'm not going to put the gun to your head and ask you what you're riding and what races but kind of over a couple of days you know cherry pick a few of the races out for me there and kind of give me a couple of the horses that you're looking I know you're very sweet on Jerry Kalam yeah, look at Jerry Colomb is um he's he's I think he's 
I think he's one of our better chances. Look at Mighty Potter is obviously um, a very good horse as well, but that'll be a competitive race. But I just think that Jerry Colomb over that three mile soft ground, Jordan Gainford riding him, he knows him after winning two grade ones on him. I just think that he will be our best bet of the week. Um, you know, so I'm 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 really looking forward to him. But we have some great chances now. As I said, Mighty Potter is 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 a good horse. We have the likes of Three Car Bragg and uh, a few. Uh, he's in the Albert Bartlett, and then you know we've loads and loads of fillers. Then um, so looking, and I'm looking forward to my rides. I'd probably ride Dunboyne in the in the Kim Muir on Thursday. Um, I'm going to ride one of the bumper horses Wednesday and I'll have maybe chemical energy on Tuesday in the, in the National on Chase so look at it when you're riding for Gordon Eddie it's it's, it's a very privileged privileged position to be in to be honest Yeah you've, you've lots of good chances as you said Tihupu in the stairs hurdle won't be dis- disappointed to see the bit of rain coming over Cheltenham and the ground getting a little bit slower Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like you know, that that's our one fear with him. Obviously, when he won in Gorn over three miles uh, in the Galmai, like you're you're hoping that he's not going to be that kind of horse that just wants cook or wants soft ground. But he might actually get his ground now in Cheltenham the way it's the way it's raining and the bit of snow and that. So um, he he has to have a massive chance now. And the cross country race. I'm not sure I, I, I've been told you're probably riding Galvin and that I don't know if you are what you're riding I, 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 everyone else seems to tell me that I'm riding him Eddie but <laughs> I, the main man the boss man hasn't told me uh, I don't know I schooled him a couple of weeks ago uh, he, we brought him over to Cheltenham there for school and um, uh, I schooled him over the cross country jumps in Cheltenham so look at I'd love to ride him and I hope I do but I haven't actually been told I definitely ride him and will the ground you know I, I know the cross country course can be a little bit firmer than the rest of the track it's much harder to water a big cross country track but is Galvin ground dependent at all or does it have a better chance say on better ground uh, look at the he he does want better ground but like was he fourth or fifth in the Gold Cup last year like he has a lot of class this horse so You'd imagine in this grade, this company, um, he will find things a lot easier. So, ground mightn't come into it as much as we were, we're thinking. Um, he, he obviously had a couple of disappointing runs earlier in the year, but I think Gordon has freshened him up well. He ch- changed a few little things in his training, and um, you know he's a horse that could could go quite well first time out over, over those over those jumps. Look, at Delta Work is going to be hard to beat Eddie. There's no point in saying differ, but. Uh, look at if there's one horse there to beat him it could be Galvin and, and Jamie the, the blue ribbon race of the week the one everyone looks forward to I'm sure as a jockey it's the one race you'd pick out and say this is the one I want to win the, the gold cup um, Gordon's been really I think really careful with uh, conflated this year you know he's really managed the horse you know it's, it, it, he's a proper horse you know it, it, do you think he's going there with a really good chance in that gold cup well the way we're looking at it, in gardens, it, it, this is his year. You know, it's 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 all been campaigned. You know, we ran in down Royal, got a lovely little uh, introduction this year. Went to Christmas, was very very impressive impressive at Christmas, and he's been kept fresh. And I think that's going to be the key thing to this horse this year, that he is fresh. He looks fantastic, um, and we believe in gardens that 
if there is going to be a year for Conflay to win a Gold Cup, it'll definitely be this year. He, he's not, he, he won't be any better. Um, and that's, that's the way we're looking at it. And, and Jamie, there's been a bit of an Irish dominance over the last number of years. Obviously, Gordon and, and WP in particular are, are, you know, are the main staying reasons for this. But you know, the, the English are coming in with a much stronger hand. I think this year, you know, Paul Nichols, you know, has been very limited. I think in the last number of years, going into the Cheltenham Festival, Nicky Henderson has a seriously strong hand. Just looking at the English contenders, with the exception of Constitution Hill, who we kind of, I think most stations are kind of saying is nearly a penalty kick. But is there any of the English horses that are standing out? at the moment or have you even given him a second look oh no no I have definitely look at I, I think obviously John Bond and Constitution Hill and Nicky's are, are very strong um, you have to stand up and take notice of the way Brave Man's game has been campaigned um, they, they, they have purposely kept them fresh won the King George this year and that was it they, you know Nichols is he's bullish as well that's you know, if he's going to win a Gold Cup, it will be this year. Um, look at you'd have to think that he has to step up. But, you know, when these guys are speaking like that, you know, you have to take a bit of notice. Uh, and also, I think the handicapper has probably given the English horses more of a chance this year. Um, so, a lot more the handicaps will go. Um, so, it'll be an interesting week. Look at we've been very dominant but you know the English the English will bite back at some stage and it could be this year no, I I definitely agree with you there. I've I've said this to a few different people that you know it's it's it doesn't last forever this type of dominance and and, and it is swings and roundabouts and maybe this will be the year that the English will claw them back. Jamie, before I let you go, obviously your great friends up here in Kilkenny and Carlow were all very big fans of Jamie Cod. If these lads are going to put their communion money on something each way or whatever, something down the handicap somewhere hidden, what would Jamie Cod be recommending that the communion money goes on? You there? Have we lost them? Wow, what a time to lose that call there. I tell you what I'll do is I'll text Jamie and see if I can get that uh, answer off of Jamie before I, I come back after break and I'll just give him a quick text and see if he'll give us that one because it'd be a disaster not to get Jamie's tip for Cheltenham. So we'll take a quick ad break right there. Scoreline on KCL or with Eddie Scally. For the perfect setting this Mother's Day, visit the award-winning restaurant Clashgani House in Boris. Fine dining is the style. You're very welcome back. It's the scoreline. Shane McKeith with you until 6 o'clock. Post-match and reaction from Kilkenny's game versus Dublin will be upcoming at about 20 past 4. We got a lovely message in there from Noel in Fortra Ventura as well. He was looking to see when the Tony Mullins interview is happening. That's just going to be at about 25 to 5. Said he's an avid listener of KCLR, especially all the country music with James Lake, Brendan Hennessy, Paul Doyle and the late Johnny Barry. So thanks very much for tuning in on the KCLR app or online, whatever way you're doing it, Noel. We really appreciate it. And we also appreciate Brian O'Reilly coming on air of a Sunday to tell us everything that's happening in the Carlo and District League. It was all about cup action in the league today. And Brian Secretary is a man who might have to be putting in all those scores and a lot of scores he may have had to put in on the website. Brian, thanks very much for joining me, first of all. Good afternoon, Shane. You're more than welcome. Yeah, it's been a very busy day. Yeah, uh, the Douglas Jeweller Cup. It was going. Some of the games were on last night. There were some good scores from that. I know Burns Celtic went to penalties, but the predominant amount of games happening today. 
Yeah, and uh, the last 16, I suppose, it was the first time that the Premier teams entered and there was potential for some real big shocks today. Um, we didn't have very many. Um, St. Pat's, obviously, the big disappointment for them. Um, they were hoping that their two teams, Pat's A and Pat's B, would have met in the quarterfinal as the way the draw panned out. But unfortunately, Bala Murphy bet the B team last night 3-1 in a very good game. And uh, today, the All-Premier clash saw Parkville travel to St. Pat's and come away as 2-1 winners. A uh, very surprising result, many would consider, but a, a great day for Parkville. And their B team also won a, a very, very big game uh, in the relegation clash in Division 1. So it's been a really good day. Credit Yard A and B both won set up a quarter-final against each other. So that's wow. really unfortunate that they've been drawn against each other. New Oak beat Har- Hanover Harps 3-1 in the town derby. And that sets New Oak up with a home game against the Division 2 in form. Celtic, who pulled off a bit of a shock last night in beating a division above them, Dolman Celtic, on penalties. So we've got six Premier teams left in the competition after today. We've got uh, a quarter final now that sees Park will play Vale Wonders, uh, Kilree will play Vale A, and Credit Yard A and Credit Yard B, and then New Oak A and Bourne Celtic. So we've six Premier teams left, one Division One side and the high-flying Division Two side, Bourne Celtic, along with St. Fiox, who were really unlucky, Shane, uh, to lose out to Credit Yard B, 3-2. And Credit Yard only scored the last two goals inside the last four minutes. And, and last Saturday night, we had we had the top of the table, Division Two, the league decider between Bourne Celtic and St. Fiox. And myself and the other league members were at the game. And we had just commented on how good Bourne Celtic and St. Fiox were. Uh, and either of them are worthy winners of that league and how well we reckon Udham would do in Division 1 and it just goes to show this weekend with Byrne beating Dolman and, and Fiox almost beating Craig Yard that the two of them can certainly hold their own Yeah, um, we know that a few of the leagues have been decided only one got decided in Kilkenny today the rest are all still in contention the, the big story obviously coming out of it would be two Craig Yard teams going up against each other what way does it work in the Carlow District League about A team players playing with B teams is it just for the cup that they may be um, cup tied or does that extend to the league as well no so we have a rule so the the, the rule is it's the premier it's the four game rule so once you've played four games for your A team you can no longer drop back and play for your B team which would apply right across the season so once a player has had his four appearances for the A team he can no longer play for the B team but then we also have the rule that you are cup tied so any of the players who may say have only played two or three premier games if they happen to play in a cup game today you're cup tied so the the, 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 the 18 names that were on the match card for Craig A um, today are tied and the 18 names that are on the match card for Craig B today are tied so um, very much so it, it, I suppose it's always unfortunate when it happens um, and with the way the draw had panned out it was looking like if the two St. Patrick's had won they would play each other too um, and we also had of course a trophy presentation today and we only had one league game today in Division 1 and Bagnus Town were crowned champions uh, they needed a point at home to Middle Celtic. So I was in McGrath Park this morning presenting the Tully's Travel Cup. And that's our first junior league trophy presented this year. The two youth leagues were presented last year, last weekend and the weekend before the Hanover Harps. And Shane, indeed, you talked about the Kenny there and one trophy gone. It looks like if results go the way, all our leagues are over next Sunday, the 19th of March. So New York travelled to Credit Yard knowing they need a point and we'll be there with the Premier Trophy to present New Oak and then St. Felix play New Oak while Burn Celtic play Collection in the last games in the White Pharmacy Division and St. Felix are currently two points clear so St. Felix need a win uh, in New Oak B next Sunday and again we'll be there with the trophy and then possibly all the leagues in the Carlow District League are over in record time the 19th of March which would be 
a month to six weeks earlier than ever before. Yeah, because uh, like, and which is a testament to yourselves, considering the the outside competitions really causing—I wouldn't say causing havoc, but really kind of making it hard on the fixture committee to be able to get these games going. Um, like I, I know my own team. I think within the space of two months, when the league restarted after a six-week break, we had only two games in the league, which was which was quite annoying. But to be able to finish off a, a, a league so soon, considering Newark are still in Leinster competition, is is quite a testament to what you're able to do. Yeah, we've been looking at two fronts, to be honest with you, Shane. It's been, I'm, I'm seven years doing this job now, and it's the first time ever we've only had one blanket call-off yeah. in the entire season. It's like, I know it was the driest February on record. It was one of the driest Novembers ever on record. We only lost one weekend to fixtures in December, which is pretty unheard of to go the whole of November, December, January, February with no blanket call-offs. And then I suppose we were in trouble. We were in trouble with the outside competitions with New York who were so high flying. But luckily they, they with the all weather pitches we have in Carlow now, they travelled to play Vale on a Wednesday night, they travelled to play Collection on a Friday night, they travelled to play St Pat's on a Friday night. So they were very obliged to do as the clubs were and let us catch up. Um, and that's how we find ourselves in that combined with the really good weather um, is how we find ourselves in a position whereby we could have our three leagues our two youth leagues all five league trophies presented by next Sunday this, by this time next Sunday evening now don't get me wrong we still have the quarterfinals of the Carlow Cup to go so that will take three weeks to run off and then we have our divisional cups um, which again will take three weeks to run off so we will have soccer going to early May I suppose but all, all the business end in terms of the league and all that is, is, is done and dusted and of course this Thursday as well we'll be in Greg Cullen our head of sport Ken Maguire will be there to present the trophy to either New Oak Boys or Cretty Yard what a cracking game that's going to line up to be on Thursday Yeah one of our showpiece finals of the year always is the KCLR Shield um, this competition never never disappoints since we changed the format two years ago since Covid we changed the format to a league basis at the start of the season for August and September it really rejuvenated the competition got everybody involved last year you remember we had the final in Ballin on the 5th of January obviously because of New Oak's massive success in the outside competitions it did slightly delay this competition um, and the final would normally have been played much earlier but it is this Thursday night in St Pat's and again it's another example of how we we didn't lose a weekend obviously normally this would be a Sunday we would have lost the whole weekend of fixtures again it was actually my idea I remember that Paddy's day was on a Friday I thought why not have a game on the Thursday night the winners can go out and celebrate nobody's got work on Friday Saturday, Sunday um and the clubs, the clubs jumped on board and, and agreed to it. And then to keep things fair, New York Credit Yard had agreed then not only would they play each other Thursday night, but then they'll play each other in a league game on Sunday morning so that nobody could claim there was an unfair advantage. So the clubs have been really, really helpful to us with that. Um, this promises to be a cracking game. I was just doing up the match programme as, as a preview. Um, and it, it is quite amazing to see that these two between them, in the 33 years of this competition, uh, Credit Yard and New York have won nine Shield titles. Um, between them and obviously New York are looking to defend their title Credit Yard do have the most wins nobody else has won it um, Credit Yard have won, won the KCLR Shield six times so no matter what the form is you know yourself it goes out the window on cup final night um, as I said it's, it, it, it's on Thursday night uh, five euro entry in St. Pat's Astro uh, it'd be great to see a big crowd down there because it really does promise to be a really cracking game of soccer
Yeah, we're looking forward to it here, no doubt, under the lights on Thursday night. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time and talking to us. I know it's a Sunday evening as well, getting with a lot of games going on the telly. You have the rugby going on. You had the Premier League just about to kick off in the Newcastle game and then everything that's happening over in the Carlowin District League. So really appreciate the time and we look forward to chatting to you on Thursday. Thanks very much, Shane. Thank you, Brian O'Reilly from the Carlo and District League. We have lots more still to come here on Scoreline. As I said, Robbie is in the building, so we'll be looking at that Kilkenny game versus Dublin and hearing from Derek Ling. Absolutely sublime night of action in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night, where we had the quarterfinals of the much-anticipated Frightful Flash Kennels McCalmont Cup. 13,000 euro in the pot for this year's McCalmont Cup. It's a tremendous competition. One of the highlights in Irish Greyhound Racing calendar. And of course, this competition has been won by some tremendous greyhounds over the years, including three-time Irish Greyhound Derby champion Spanish Battleship, who won the McCalmont Cup in 1954 and 1955 back-to-back. It's a tremendous competition with a... Fantastic history and heritage in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium and wonderful to see the cream of the crop turning up for this competition year in, year out. So the first quarterfinal was won by a two-time classic winning Greyhound, one-time only, who comes here as a Laurels champion, also a champion stakes champion. One time only, Julie obliged at odds of even money last night, time of 28.86 for owner Paul Horrig and John Woodford and trainer Tommy O'Donovan. Back in second was Burgess Bulger. And third, Gert Kelly Nestor, Greyhound, whose name you've heard many, many times on this show. A wonderful servant to all connections and still going strong. The second quarterfinal was won by Croker's Spirit in a time of 29.10. Owned and trained by John Croker. Two links back to Freedom Odin in second. And third was Ruffian Angel. The third quarterfinal was won by another fantastic servant, Lynchy Boy, for the Campion family. His 19th victory to date. Fantastic servant he has been. Irvin Bew was back in second and Black Summer back in third. And those three march on to next Thursday night's semi-finals, of course. Racing is going to be on a Thursday night this week as St. Patrick's Day is on Friday. There's no racing on St. Patrick's Day. The semi-finals of the McCamron Cup will take place next Thursday night. What a cracking card we have to look forward to. Delirium Trimmins came home in front in the fourth quarter final for the Tiny Pharma Syndicate and trainer Mert Lahey, who also had the third place ground, Ballybock Bella. Rowler's Road was back in second and those three emerged through to Thursday night's semi-finals and as we look ahead to the semi-finals of the Frightful Flash Kennels McCalmon Cup, it is absolutely mouth-watering action. The draw was done last night. Make sure you get on out to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium on Thursday night. Even if you've never been Greyhound racing before, these are special, special nights in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium and well worth a visit. We also had the Tom Brown Memorial A3 competition last night where we had three Splendid heats of this one. Nocturne Kilt came home in front in the first heat, winning in a time of 29.08. For trainer Thomas Lahey, who had a double on the card last night as well, and joint owner Robbie Dowling, winning in 29.08. Kells Dino came home in front in the second heat of the first round of the Tom Brown Memorial, also trained by Thomas Lahey and owned by Seamus Martin. 28.72 o'clock here. Tremendous run. And the third heat was won by Lance Strolls. 
only just by a head to Ascot Benny back in second Lance Strolls of course owned by the 50 Shades of Greyhound Syndicate <laughs> interesting name for a syndicate indeed and trainer Carol Rams bottom 29.30 o'clock at even money well supported I presume by his syndicate last night making it two wins on the bounce and giving plenty of fun and crack t- for the Fifty Shades of Greyhound Syndicate who own this fantastic Greyhound. Elsewhere on the card last night there was a double for the Buggy family who won the third and a fourth races with Kilgraney Flower and Kilgraney Saint respectively. Flame and Hazen Bob came home in front in the second race winning in 29.34 for the two Leash for Kilkenny Syndicate. And finally, last but not least, the first race was on my toast to max in a time of 29.51 for owner trainer Helen MacDonald well done to all involved on the card last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium so lots to look forward to as we said we have the semi-finals of the Fright of Flash Kennels Bicalman Cup on Thursday night we have the semi-finals of the Town Brown Memorial A3 competition on Thursday night we also have the beginning of another track novice unraced competition. The TP Weedick Open 725 begins on March 31st. Put that date in your diary. And April 7th sees the beginning of the Blackstone Kennels A2 A3 competition, kindly sponsored by Paddy Sinnott. And make sure to put those dates in your diary. Do not miss them, folks. Plenty of action. Very exciting action to look forward to in Kilkenny. Greyhound Stadium, one of the biggest events of the year on at the moment. The Frightful Flash Kennels McCallman Cup semi-finals Thursday night. We will see you there elsewhere this week. Hello, Hammond. Well, he's been a fantastic Greyhound for all connections. His retirement was announced during the week, of course, owned by the Meany family and trained by the Hennessy family in Kilkenny, an English Greyhound Derby finalist. He was actually a McCallman Cup finalist a number of years ago and he was also second in the Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium Jack Building Services A1 Derby he was a Cambridgeshire winner in Limerick over 750 an English Derby finalist perhaps one of the fastest Greyhounds ever to run over the 600 yards in Shelburne Park where he absolutely lit up the track for on a number of nights and wishing him a happy and healthy retirement and best of luck to all involved in the remaining rounds of the McCalvin Cup Right from Flash Kennels, McAlvin Cup and also the Tom Brown Memorial. Very exciting times in Kilkenny, Greyhound Stadium. You're very welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe, here with you until 6 o'clock. Now, if anyone has been listening to the show over the past three, four years that I've been presenting it, you know my penchant for the art that is wrestling, especially Irish wrestling. We spoke to various different wrestlers that have come from Kilkenny and Carlow. There's one place that they all want to end up, and that is in Over the Top Wrestling. Over the Top Wrestling will be producing their show, Scrapper Mania, the Irish equivalent to WrestleMania, this coming Saturday. And the man that's joining me on the line now is Joe Cabrera, owner of OTT. Joe, every year Scrapper Mania seems to get bigger and bigger considering it started out in the uh, Tivoli Theatre and now it's gone on to the National Stadium. Now it's going international with shows in England, in Northern Ireland and then the one in Ireland on the 18th. Yeah, I mean the first Scrapper Mania I think probably had about 250 people in the Tivoli and now we're up to 2000 in the National Stadium and as you said doing it in Wolverhampton in the UK and Belfast How crucial was it for you as a company because you're not just renowned as the leading independent company in Ireland in Europe but in the world so how crucial was it for you to make that jump over to the UK um, I think it's just important for us to keep expanding and showcasing Irish wrestling 
um, and bringing the best names that we can as well to the UK and the scene there. And you're bringing in names like Trent Seven, who people would know from uh, NXT UK. You're bringing in names like uh, Big Demo, who is Irish, but other people might know him as Killian Dane when he was on SmackDown, and then AEW superstars Eddie Kingston and Pac. And they're all there to help complement the Irish talent as well, which is such a, a huge thing for the continuance of dominance, it has to be said, of Irish wrestling. Yeah, I suppose some of these guys as well also got their start in the European indie scene. So there's a bit of a loyalty there as well to give book to give back, which is really nice to see. But yeah, you see uh, Trent Seven, guys like Pac, Eddie Kingston coming in from the states. Uh, it's just going to be an amazing weekend of uh, independent wrestling. And when you hear someone like Eddie Kingston talk about not just the shows that are being put on in the crowd, he talks about the kind of the locker room. And a lot of the time, wrestling fans nowadays in particular get invested in the kind of the backstage of, of wrestling. But to hear someone like Eddie Kingston come out and say how great of a locker room it is to be in, it must be a real testament and a real kind of confidence booster for you to know that not only you're putting on a good product for the fans, but people want to come over here. Yeah, I think uh, for Irish wrestling, it's 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 something that's new new enough here. Maybe been here for like maybe less than twenty years, but the uh, Irish wrestling scene, we kind of all stick together and, and look out for each other, which creates a good back, uh, backstage atmosphere. And to speak of the the Irish talent that, that are coming through, the last time we spoke was ahead of the last Scrapper Rainey. We talked about LJ Cleary. Me and you have previously discussed the likes of Sesha Moss Martina. She's going up against Debbie Keitel. But you have one guy that's really coming to the forefront of all this and is Sammy D. And Sammy D has kind of gone through the whole ranks within Over the Top Wrestling and even beforehand as well. So to see him in a main event in his hometown, it must be quite a, a big night for himself but for you as someone who puts the shows together to be able to kind of build up a storyline that has it to make sense it, it must be kind of like an own pat on the back for yourself yeah Sam has done tremendously well I mean if you look at it he was on the very first OTT show in 2014 and now he's headlining the uh, national stadium with the main event against O'Murray and uh if you can do it, if you can win the world title, it'd be the first Irish man in four years to lift the uh, OTT championship. Wow, that's a that's a pretty kind of spine tingling stuff. And I've been there at many OTT shows, and I've been there at many Scrapper Mania shows as well. And I've seen various different talents come come through the ranks and go on to different things in in, in different countries in the states, in Japan. Do you have anybody yourself that you would earmark for that? Uh, if people are are going to Scrapper Mania or want to go to Scrapper Mania, like there's a very real chance that they're going to see the next big breakout star on the international stage. Oh, there's so many. Uh, if you look at the UK scene, Leon Slater is going to be on the show. Uh, Robbie X is going to be on the show. And then from our own Irish talents, uh, a new talent like Sam, Renzo Rose, who's uh, going up against Santino Morella. So uh, there's plenty of Irish talents that are they're coming through. It's, uh, it's amazing to see, but the, the, the scene is just so healthy right now. And the name that you just mentioned that a lot of people will be familiar with, the self-claimed greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Mr. Santino Morella, who people will remember for his time in WWE, now currently in Impact. To, to be able to attract that kind of sort of name that has a legacy within the industry that's spanning nearly two decades at this stage, you, you, it's something that you've consistently done when you're putting shows together. Last year it was RVD and Scotty Too Hotty. It brings this massive nostalgia buzz back and in, in a show that's quite varied in different senses. I, 
think uh, having as much uh, variation and different things for the show is, is important. Um, so we always kind of like to bring in someone like a Rob Van Damme or a Santino Morella to kind of get that um, attitude uh, era back when it was when people were really invested in, in WWE. Logistically, then, when you're when you're talking about say bringing these people in from different parts of the world, then you yourself are are making rings go to different parts of the, the world, crossing different seas and stuff. Logistically, how much of a is, is it a bit of a nightmare, or is it just part of the industry now that you've you've kind of helped create? It's just part of the part of the industry. Um, you know, back in 2012, I used to do shows all around Europe, so we did shows in France. Germany, Romania, Bulgaria. Um, it's just having someone there that's able to deal with all the logistics of it. Yeah, yeah, like you, you've alluded to the American Wrestling Rampage where you, Rob Van Dam would have worked with you before and you've had names such as Brett the Hitman Hart on tour with you and it's it's just, it, it's, it's great to hear that like a, a lot of the time Irish wrestling and the fanfare that goes along with it is, is quite condensed to people who like wrestling when Becky Lynch headlined say Wrestlemania 35 there wasn't a lot said about it same with Sheamus and Finn Balor winning world championships but it, it, from a business perspective as well it is a true success story for when we have our own business show here and you'd never really hear him talk about kind of a wrestling company but from a business perspective it's proved to be incredibly viable yeah, um, it's a testament as well to the strength of Irish wrestling and the fans that get behind it. But, I mean, we're selling out National Stadium. We've we've done it a few times as well over the course of the few years and um, just keep on bringing the, 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 the challenges. Uh, Wolverhampton will be the next one to see if we can expand the brand outside Ireland. For people to get on these shows in Wolverhampton, in the National Stadium and stuff, they all have to start somewhere. Are you still running the School of Irish Wrestling? Yeah, we still have that. We're based in uh, Dublin 7. Uh, we do classes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and uh, Saturday morning. Um, and again, we have people who've travelled from all over the world to, to be there. So currently have some guys from Israel, uh, Spanish. Uh, I think we have four, five Italians at the moment. So uh, it's a, a mixed bunch and it's a really good atmosphere for people who want to try and start out in pro wrestling. Yeah, we'll put all links to that when we put up our article because I and it's not for the faint of heart. It is a very uh, hard thing to to be able to do. Um, it's a very tough, demanding sport, and a, a certain level of athleticism is needed and also thought. But it's thought by the very best within Ireland. And and Joe, just before I let you go, because I'm quite acutely aware that you're going to be quite busy coming up to this show. But we're always looking for a local angle here, whether it be Kilkenny or Carlo. And Carlo Band Beef Supreme have. Uh, proved to provide somewhat of a, a soundtrack to Scrapper Mania over the past few weeks. Yeah, we got we got inundated with uh, so many um, different music tracks from independent bands, but this one just hit. This one just fits really nicely, so uh, I think it works really well. It's a great track by a great band, so we're really happy with it that they allowed us to use it. Yeah, they're a bunch of top-class guys. Uh, Joe, thank you ever so much. I wish you nothing but the best. I have front-row tickets myself with another gentleman, so I'm looking forward to a great show, as is always put on by Over the Top Wrestling. And in terms of expanding as well, will you be doing any shows say, down in our neck of the woods over the next year or so? Hopefully. We're always expanding. Um, we just did Derry there recently, and we hope to be back. So we're just going to... Continuously look at opening new markets. 
perfect it's uh, great to hear I, I know the Waterford show that got put off because of Covid I had tickets for that as well so hopefully down around the south east as well we'll have a, a few shows to look forward to Joe Cabret thank you ever so much for taking the time sir Pleasure. Joe Cabrera from Over the Top Wrestling ahead of Scrapper Mania which is happening in the National Stadium St. Patrick's Day weekend on the 18th of March you don't want to miss that one if you're a wrestling fan and even if you're not it's something different and I am guarantee you it'll hit you different lots more still to come here on Scoreline don't go anywhere That's been Scoreline Extra. You can catch the show live every Saturday and Sunday from 2 to 6. I've been Shane O'Keefe. Remember to stay safe, stay sane. And if you have a dog, rub him. Remember, you're sound out. Mm-hmm.